Sat Nam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusing.com. Bless you. Satnam. Good morning. So we're going to tune in and then we're going to start today with uh, some deep prayer to um, to calm the tattva of akash and agni the fire and the air and to bring in the tattva of the jal the um, the water mm-hmm. So much life right now in this area of the world is extremely disrupted by this, uh, by this fire, and so we want to use a, we want to use a, we want to use a, um, a mantra um, that uses the Gayatri, Gobinde, Mukhande, Udare, Apare, Haryang, Karyang, Nirname, Akame, which is a which is a mantra of of a warrior. It's a mantra of fire. And then it answers, I love you. Because in order to, I love that sound, that do not restrict that sound, that sound too. Um, So in order to govern, shall we say, because you can't control anything, in order to govern something such as the tattvas, the waters, the the airs, the fires, um, the earth, and the ether. You need to embrace it first, because you can't govern anything that you're not fully connected to. And that's one of the dilemmas that is being faced in today's human world, is the attempt to govern without connection. Uh, governing by dictate rather than by um, devotion. This mantra was actually given by Yogi Bhajan in a tantric course, in a white tantric course, in 1971. And that is actually the only time that he ever taught this mantra in this way. And he had taught the mantra in this way in 1971 because of the Vietnam War and how 
the atrocities of war were being so disruptive and destructive to the human psyche. to that wind, that air. Connect to that fire. Calm it with a gentle, through your lips, exhale. And just sit with that calm for just a moment here. There's an island, it's an actually a privately held island in the Hawaiian Islands off the east coast of Kauai, which is the furthest east of all the Hawaiian Islands. And this island was purchased quite some time ago because there's indigenous Polynesians that live there. And there was a rule amongst these indigenous people of Hawaii on this island that if you left the island, you couldn't return. And the island allowed no visitors. Years ago, there was a really, really significant hurricane that struck Kauai. And so the Coast Guard sent, after the, heli- after the hurricane had passed, the Coast Guard sent helicopters to fly over this small island to assess the damage and to see if they needed to rescue or to assist in any way. And the thatched huts on this island of which the hurricane had passed directly over, weren't disrupted at all. 
And the story is that these people have such a profound power of prayer. And this is one of the reasons why they don't want to interface with industrial community. And they have such a profound power of prayer that they actually are able to control the tattvas, the elements. In the story of Moses parting the Red Sea, that's what's called Jal Siddha. Siddha means power, Jal means water. The power over water. Walking on water is the power, it's Jal Siddha. One time at summer solstice, we had a Hopi rain dancer come as part of the Peace Prayer Day celebration. And her husband played the drum and her two little children danced with her and they wore these incredible anklets that were filled with bells. And these little children were, I mean, they had to have been no more than four and five. And this woman danced in a particular rhythm and she was a rain dancer. And she asked us all, if you've ever been to Solstice, you know that what's called our Tantric Shelter is a three-sided building, excuse me, a one-sided building with three sides open to the mountains, the um, Española Valley, the Rio Grande River Valley, the Sangria de Cristo Mountains on the far side. Sangria de Cristo means blood of Christ because they turn kind of a, a magenta in the, in the dusk. And the Jemez Mountains that we are on the side of and so this three sided or this three sides open to the sky building, we walked outside and we looked up and it was a clear blue sky. There wasn't a cloud and you can see probably a hundred miles, 120 miles to the horizons there because we're up at 7,000 feet and we're looking across some significant uh, land. And there wasn't a cloud anywhere, anywhere. But if you look at a clear blue sky, if you really stare at it for a while, your eyes start to realize that it's not just blue. There are all different colors of pixels dancing in that blue because there's, there's moisture up there, there's dust particles up there, there's all kinds of things. So there's specks of red and green and blue and yellow and all of these different things kind of just swirling in the, in the pixelated spectrum. We came back in the shelter. She started dancing. And about 10 minutes later, you know, boom, 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 and little kids, their little feet. And about 10 minutes later, she said, go outside. So we went outside and we looked up and the clear blue was still clear blue, but it was a darker blue. And the pixels were starting to swirl in a rather strong way. We came back inside and she continued. 
And she danced for about another 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, it started to get really dark because it was a bright sun. And the sky let loose. And if you've ever been at our summer solstice, it's a metal roof. And in New Mexico, raindrops in a major rainstorm are large. And the, this rain came down so hard that we couldn't hear. We couldn't hear the boom, boom, boom. We couldn't hear the ching, ching, ching. We couldn't hear ourselves talking to each other if we were to speak. It was so powerful. We went outside. Some people ran outside and danced in it because we hadn't had rain for a few days. And but when you went outside, you looked up. This cloud was about a mile in diameter. It was just a round cloud over our land. And it had been gathered by this woman who has what is known as Jal Siddha, the power of water. Moses also had Agni Siddha in the burning bush. He also had Tera Siddha, which is the way the tablets were carved. You know. These are capacities. If you want to read about a more modern event happening, uh, read um, a several volumes. It's either five or six. I can't remember which. It sits on my, in my library. But um, it's called The Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East, which is the story of a mapping um, expedition that went through the Himalayan region of Darjeeling, India. Um, which has a five-peak mountain range called Kanchenjunga. Kanchenjunga is this is one of the Himalayan high peaks, so it's in the it's in the twenty-some thousand range, and it's these five peaks that encircle a valley in between. And these five peaks, the story is the mythology is, but actually the geology would probably verify this if they were to go into it that it was actually a single mountain that volcanically erupted and left a cone of these five peaks. And the, the word in the, in the ancient writings is that this mountain was nearly, not quite, but nearly twice as tall as Mount Everest. So it was somewhere in the range. Mount Everest is 28,000 some feet tall. And so this was somewhere in the range of 40 to 45,000 feet tall. Kanchenjunga, say it. Kanchenjunga. And Kanchenjunga has this valley in between the five peaks, and you can see it from the town of Darjeeling. Darjeeling is famous um, for its tea plantations. You probably see sometimes Darjeeling tea. Mr. Spaulding, who wrote this book, Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East, was on this mapping expedition in 1894. And he took copious notes on this mapping expedition. And amongst those notes were by location, teleportation, walking on water, Many of the 
magical things which human beings are capable of but have lost the capacity for. And human beings that live in other systems, in other universes, not parallel dimensions, I'm not talking about that, but actually within the three dimensions of this universe, beyond the horizons, because you can't see around them, there are other universes. And some of them are much older, and so the, uni the human beings are much more advanced. And we've incarnated in those universes, and so we have brought that information. But when we, get, when we go through the shock of birth, we lose what's called the cosmic memory, which is the memory that we have when we're outside of birth, in between births, of all of our incarnations. And by the way, Yogi Bhajan had a great response to somebody who said, what if we don't believe in incarnation? He said, it doesn't matter, it happens anyway. It's not subject to your belief. And so, in those incarnations, we have been involved in circumstances that were so far beyond this level, a hundred years more advanced, a thousand, can you imagine a thousand years? It's been 12 years since the iPhone, since a touch screen smartphone sat in your pocket that could answer any question that you have, right? And take movies and recordings and photos and on and on and on. And you can communicate in person, video, any place in the world. It's been 12 years. Can you imagine what's going to happen in another 12 years? Imagine what's going to happen in another 100 years. And imagine what's going to happen in another 1,000 years. And imagine what's going to happen in another 100,000 years. And now you know where you've been. You've been from the future. And you've come back to here. And so this book, this series of books, Life and Teachings of the Masters of the Far East, this guy is on this mapping expedition. These are just, you know, humble Americans and Englishmen. And they're with the, they've, they have located these masters who are going to guide them through these regions. And these masters come from the valley inside the five peaks of the Kanchenjunga. Hmm. And they, like, were blowing these guys' minds. I mean, not that they were doing it to blow their minds. They were doing it because that's their life. And they were asked about, you know, because these, the whole expedition was very, you know, was not never, you know, weren't evangelical, but they were of a Christian faith. And so they were asking about Jesus, and they said, oh, yeah, Jesus was, was one amongst us all that time ago, mastered all of this. This is a demonstration. Now, when you're in an industrial setting and all you're dealing with is, you know, all of the three-dimensional communication, your brain is way too noisy. You cannot hear the faint signals of this much power. It's like if suddenly the door opened over there and a Harley kind of rolled in the room. And run, run, the guy was, or whoever was driving it, you know, was like revving it. I could still be talking. The sound of my voice would still be in the room. 
but you wouldn't hear it. Just like that rain, we couldn't hear anything with that rain. And so the noise of the industrial babble, the industrial dialogue, the industrial chaos, which started 400 years ago when the scientists and the industrialists said, we will conquer nature. We began to separate from the natural capacity of a human incarnation, of a human form. This is not just an animal that feeds itself. This is an animal that actually transcends itself. This animal that we live in has the capacities in our nervous system and in our biometrics, the glands and organs, the muscles, the nerves, the respiratory circulatory. Within all of this, we have the mechanisms that if we apply ourselves psycho-emotionally and physically and spiritually. If we apply ourselves, we have powers. We have significant powers. And one of the most profound powers is the power of prayer. And if you read the Gospel of St. Thomas, which is not in the Bible, it was far too controversial to be included when the Ecumenical Council in in the year 226 AD, sat down with Emperor Constantine and formulated what is now the Bible, which then got rewritten by the King James Version, right? And then got rewritten and then got rewritten. It's been edited. It's like when I went to publish my books, I said, I'm not going to go to an edit. I'm not going to go to a publisher because I don't want anybody with my words. Did you catch that bleep? <laughs> and I don't want them with my, in, my, my um, what is it called? Punctuation either, because I punctuate creatively. <laughs> I spell creatively sometimes too, but I did have an editor to just spell check, you know. <laughs> Enough, E-N-U-F, of course it is. Anyway, that's a whole nother subject. Because of all of the noise of this social structure that has been forming for the last 400 years, we have lost our human power. We are just an intelligent animal now. And as an intelligent animal, we are the most dangerous animal on the planet. Because without our powers of consciousness, our intelligence takes our inventions and turns them into weapons. Because that's where every tool came from in the carnivorous world. The carnivorous world made weapons to kill its prey. 
and to protect its territory. Carnivores are the only creatures that have territories. Herbivores do not, plant-based animals do not have territories. And the human being is biologically a plant-based event. End of story, no discussion. The yeah buts. <laughs> and so this carnivorous attitude that develops intelligence, not intuition, has built everything into a weapon, including language. Indigenous communities that are heart-based and plant-based have no words for violence or violent activities or disagreements. They have no words for the separation of human beings. They have no words for those things because for them those things don't exist. And in their world they don't exist. And the masters of Kanchenjunga were just like that. And Mr. Spaulding was so afraid to publish this book in a Christian world that he built the book out of his notes of 1894. He didn't publish it until the Unity Church in Kansas City, Missouri, out of a company called D-E-V-O-R, SS Devores Publishing in 1920 he finally got the courage up to publish the book because anytime you come up with a reality that is completely different than normality whenever you come up with a reality that is completely different contrary to normality you're going to get significant pushback that pushback is going to come from outside yourself and that pushback is going to come from inside yourself. Because the one thing that all animals that are pack animals, and we are a pack animal, that's what it means that the human is a social animal. All pack animals strive for acceptance. It was a biological mechanism that the infinite creator creativity, whatever you want, it's not a being, it's, a, it's an energy. But the infinite creativity put into animals so they would reproduce. Because approval comes out of the second chakra, which is the sexual chakra. We long for each other's approval. The longing for approval without the discipline a boundary is a predator. The longing, we're not talking about desire. This is longing is much more powerful than desire. The fundamental longing for approval, genetic, not, a, not an intellectual, not a thought, not an emotion, a physical longing for approval without the conscious awareness of proper boundary is a predator. And the longing for approval is invested in testosterone. Go figure. 
So there are more male testosterone-driven predators than there are female. The nature of the world is that if you don't have conscious significance of boundaries, I misspoke, if you don't have significant consciousness of boundaries, you better do something with your longing for approval. (laughs) Otherwise, it's going to run your life. And put an I... This was always Yogi Bhajan's favorite saying. Put an I in the word run your life and what does it spell? Ruin your life. The human instrument has the power if we bring sunya shunya into our consciousness. Shunya is that zeroness Sunya is that silence of deep listening. Because most of the time, we don't listen, we hear. And we take it from hearing, and instead of going from hearing into listening, we go from hearing into translation and rebuttal. That all happens internally. But it never lands in listening. Because we're afraid to listen. Because we live in this carnivorous environment. We're afraid to listen because listening is vulnerable. What I have to do to listen to you is fully absorb you. And then I have to have the psychic digestion to be able to hold on to the nutrients and dispose of the waste matter. Have you ever heard somebody say that their negativity really gets to me? Have you ever heard somebody talk in some form about somebody's negativity really getting and What it means is that they don't have a psychological digestive system working, functioning. Because with that psychic digestive capacity, you know how to absorb the love out of any moment, the joy, the nutrient, the the psycho-emotional nutrient, out of any moment, and dispose of the angst and the anger and the jealous, whatever else is contained in that moment, you dispose of it as container, the waste. Whatever was bringing the food in to deliver it, but then has to be carried out. When you eat something that is high in roughage, do you absorb all the roughage or do you eliminate a bunch of it. Hmm? And it's the fact that you don't absorb the roughage that it moves through the intestinal tract like a kind of cleaner. Hmm? That roughage moves through the whole intestinal tract and goes out with the waste. So what do you think the roughage is in human relationships? The relationships that aren't smooth. 
Now, that's not saying that you should eat broken glass. Those are the relationships of violence. You don't, you don't want to absorb that. That's roughage, but that's way too rough. And so there's a limit to what you will absorb. And that you have to also know, rather than protecting yourself from everyone, which is standard protocol. And standard protocol that shuts down the body is that you protect yourself from everyone, and so your diaphragm cuts off. And in order to... I love that. And in... That's how I feel a lot of the time. Sometimes positive, sometimes negative. I'm sure you get sometimes negative too. We all do. So, in order to fill your moments, which is just a container, a moment is a container, and those containers fill in the present, move into the past. Fill in the present, move into the past. There's a saying that your future doesn't equal your past if you don't live in your past. But if you live in your past, your future equals your past. And that's how you build your moments. Well, you build your moments by keeping this diaphragm super gelatinous. Is that a word? Gelatinous. If it's not, it is now. Yogi Bhajan said, make up words, everybody. Every word was made up at one point. Have the authority to do what you do. So gelatinous, it has to be, it has to wave. And we're going to do exercises today that are going to get that diaphragm to be a waving event, a waving event, so that you can be breathing and also working with the foundation of your being as a coexistence. The gut brain, the heart brain, the head brain, equal, so that you don't walk around as an analytics event. Because, you know, all we do in 18 years or whatever, 12 years, 16 years, 18 years, depending on how far you go, of education, it's not education, it's brain training. Head brain training. And head brain training is all about analytics. It's two-dimensional. Yes, no, good, bad, right, wrong. And that head brain is all about, do you love me? Because it's translating the longing to be approved of, of the second chakra. And so you walk around with this second sexual chakra and a head brain looking for a place to eat. But you know in order to eat, you got to pay for the food. So in between breakfast and lunch, you work at whatever you do to pay for the food. And then between lunch and dinner, you work at whatever you do to pay for the food. Then after you eat, you do whatever you do. Then you fall asleep. Then you wake up to do it again. Oh my God. And you go from a bed to a chair, to a little bitty walk, to a car chair, 
to a little bitty walk to another chair, maybe, and then you work all day, and your body just becomes this woo, head brain analytics, woo, head brain analytics. Ah, whoa, get the picture? Hard not to, yes? Hard not to get that picture. And that picture is slavery. Incarcerated slavery. No freedom, no capacity. None whatsoever. And inside that, no freedom, no capacity, none whatsoever, there is an angry mob. And that angry mob are all the different facets of you that if you were conscious, you would draw together into a single mastery. All the different facets of you arguing with each other because they're stuck in your head. Yes, no, good, bad, right, wrong. Yes, no, good, bad, right, wrong. Yes, no, good, bad, right, wrong. Do you love me? Yes, no, good, bad, right, wrong. Do you love me? Yes, no, good, bad, right, wrong. Oh, ah. right? Right? Yeah. You got to break out of that. Otherwise, it will break you. And it will break everything about you from your relationships to everything else. And like those people off the coast of Kauai, when this kind of a firestorm comes to the neighborhood, we need to be able to put up a shield Not everybody would be able to do it, but the masters of Kanchenjunga, you know, let's put them on the payroll by becoming their equivalents. Yes, like you, I too, on occasion, feel like, wouldn't it be great just to you know, sell everything, retire, and just be a grandpa. Well, maybe you don't think those same things, but you have your own version about just going down to being calm and no projection. You know, just take care of the business of the body. Hmm. I had a most outstanding sensation the other day, and that was that... That felt good. It felt like a candy bar. Felt good. Not a, not, a, not a Nestle's or whatever they are. I don't even know what they are. But not a, not a stupid candy bar. One of those ones that says, like they have out on the counter here, you know, like, this is conscious candy, you know. And I'm, and I'm not discounting the consciousness of the candy. If you hear the story of the manufacturers, including Oshri, stuff has got some great stories. Have you seen the Yes bars out there? And Oshri's too, really. The Yes Bars are made by a woman in Northern California whose child had so many allergies 
that this is made of all of the things that are non-allergenic that that child could eat, that that child could say yes to. And so she created this whole line of candy bars called Yes Bars. But yes, we all have those moments in which we want to not have to be putting up with this whole world. (laughs) And then realize for the moment, the moment, whatever it is, 100 years, 70 years, whatever it is that you have left in your life, for that split moment that you have left in your life, there's a significant amount of demotation. Demoting? So I'll make up a word. Demotation. You get demoted because you didn't fulfill. And because the equation of your existence, the people that you are tightest with, your, your closest relatives, your your, your closest associates, your closest friends, all of those people, they're in our life because we have been assigned to each other to achieve our destiny in this life. Our mother, our father, our sister, our brother, our aunt, our uncle, our cousins, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our wives, our husbands, our partners, our, our children, our close friends, our associates, our business partners, all of these people are drawn into your world as an equation to assist you in fulfilling your destiny. And if that equation fails, it gets thrown out. That's freaked me out. That's a huge responsibility I have for my parents and my grandparents and my wife and our children and our grandchildren and those people like you that are close to me and everybody else in my life that is close. That's a huge responsibility. I don't want to blow it for us. So my us could blow it or make it. Your us could blow it or make it. Your us could blow it or make it. We all have a destiny. So I thought, oh, wow. Can't go there. I can't grab a candy bar. I can't say, oh, I'm just going to reduce it all down. I got to keep going for it. Even though going for it is sometimes just the worst idea. <laughs> this wasn't a good idea, you know? No, you got to go for it. But that going for it cannot sacrifice any of those primary relationships. Because then that whole event, the sunya shunya, in which you can bring this human instrument into its quiescence and allow it to experience the signals that are instructing you and no one else, in order for you to get to that place where you can get to that conscious awareness, you can hear those signals, you can see them, you can feel them, you can taste them, you can smell them. Those signals that are just for you and no one else, the signals that are the us of you, that are enabling you to fulfill your destiny, 
If you don't hear those signals, if you have taken your world and, and created a, a hailstorm, a firestorm in your world, then all of a sudden you start blaring out these attitude opinions and you think they're righteous positions. They're not righteous positions. They're just lightning bolts coming out of the storm. In order for us to be that instrument, in order for us to be those masters like the masters of Kanchenjunga, in order for be, in order for us to be, by the way, another thing is to go on YouTube, find the documentary, The Yogis of Tibet, and see what these ancient yogis, and there's just a few of them still alive, are able to sustain. I mean, they're not going to do magic tricks for you. They're going to show you some discipline. But this is a time on this earth when the sacred teachings are very thin. And the firestorms and the torrential floods and all of these other things are very malevolent. It's counting on us. These times are counting on us. These times are counting on us to get our shh together. Shh together. I was going to say it and then I just looked out of the corner of my eye at this little one and you know, it's not that it's a bad word but you just don't want a three-year-old going around saying, well, Guru Singh says it. So I'm going to say it too. Yeah. Because those words have power and those are why little kids pick them up like bingo. Because the word has power. During the remainder of this podcast, these are excerpts from the exercise portion of the class because so much vital information was shared during this time. Contained within the biomechanics of the second vertebra of your neck are the frequencies that we refer to as trust. It's the axis vertebra that you're moving here, that second vertebra. It gives us an innocence. It is the direction of the acknowledgement of yes. Trust is a discernment. It's a forcing you to know exactly who a person is. You can trust them for exactly who they are. That's why it's that side-to-side -side movement of the head. This has nothing to do with discernment in this first vertebra. This vertebra is all about innocence. The innocence that allows you to enter any space and make it your home. And then enable everyone else in that space to feel at home. 
the shoulders, neck, set of very significant joints, which are crossroads of energy, with the thigh, pelvis, spine crossroad of energy. So the thigh, pelvis, spine crossroad is your movement like this. You're working with the biomechanics, what kinesiology works with, the intelligence of your physical cellular structure. The body is much more intelligent. It just isn't at all intellectual. It doesn't speak in words, it speaks in knowing. The body knows your future.